Welcome to the Gas Street Podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. Well, good evening. Uh, let me be probably one of the very first people to wish you a happy Christmas. Um, and it is so, so good to welcome you here to Gas Street. Uh, my name's Rachel. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here. And if this is your first time here, we are so glad that you've made it through the door. Uh, and we just love to celebrate Christmas here at Gas Street. Uh, and it is our privilege uh, to welcome you. Um, me and my family, we are huge Christmas fans. We just love Christmas. We like to embrace uh, all the traditions, old and new. Uh, we love the matching Christmas pajama thing. Anybody? Oh, I thought other people might respond in recognition. Anyone else do the matching Christmas pajama thing? You're all too shy to admit it, aren't you? Uh, that's what we do in our family. We love a chocolate advent calendar. Who likes a chocolate advent calendar? Yes. Uh, we love Home Alone, the movie that gets watched multiple times. Thank you in the lead up to Christmas. I'm glad we're not on our own. Um, we also listen to unnecessary amounts of Christmas music. I'm married to Tim. Uh, he was helping to lead the music earlier. Uh, and Tim loves Christmas music, uh, all of it, like the, the pop songs, the traditional carols, uh, a gospel tune. He loves it. Uh, and to be honest, he would listen to Christmas music all year round. And so I have imposed this rule in our household uh, that there, is, there should be no Christmas music until the 1st of December. Does that seem reasonable to you? Oh, controversy in the room. Here's the thing. Honestly, if I didn't impose that rule, then by about mid-December, if I have to hear Wham! last Christmas one more time, then there is the distinct possibility that it could be Tim's last Christmas. That's a joke, honestly. Um, we love Christmas. We also love the Christmas tree. Now, uh, for us, the Christmas tree has to be real. Again, slightly controversial. Uh, it has to be picked up on December the 1st, and it has to be bigger than we possibly need it to be. In fact, this is our daughter, our youngest daughter, squished into the car on the return trip from picking up the tree just a couple of days ago. And so the tree comes home, we dig out all the decorations. Uh, we, we try and make our children think that they have a part to play in decorating the tree when actually the tree is subject to a very strict color code. Uh, and then usually there's a few baubles that meet sort of a fateful end in the process. Uh, and towards the end, we're just thankful if we're all friends, quite honestly, once the tree is up and decorated. Uh, we're hoping that the lights are gonna work from last year, few, yes they do. And then it's the piece de resistance, the final touch, the star goes on top of the tree. And I wonder, how many times you've stopped to think why we put a, a star at the top of the tree? What's the significance of the star? What's the connection of the star to the Christmas story, like the actual Christmas story? You know, the one where it all began, the one that we read about in the pages of the Bible, not the Christmas story about a guy in a red and white suit, not that story, but the Christmas story that feels like it is almost extinct from the shelves of the supermarket and from the Christmas window displays. And yet, 
maybe, maybe the one last remaining remnant of the actual Christmas story, the one last thing that has held its ground, that has heroically hung on to its place amongst all the rest of the Christmas paraphernalia is the twinkling star claiming its place at the top of the tree. And I have to confess, like possibly some of you, most of the energy that I expend over this Christmas period is focused on the space beneath the tree. All the presents that I've got to think about and buy and wrap. All the presents that I'm hoping will be bought for me (laughs) by people that love me. And so I spend a lot of time thinking about the space beneath the tree. And I wonder if for some in the room, actually that space beneath the tree is a painful for reminder of what you maybe lack this year. Maybe as you think about the space beneath the tree, you're reminded of a lack of family, people to share it with. Maybe a lack of finances, the provision to buy things for the, thing, the people that you love. Maybe it's a lack of joy that as you think about Christmas approaching, what you recognize is a distinct lack of joy in your life. And I wonder what would happen if we did just take a few moments to look up to the top of the tree, to the star, to the star that sits on the top of the tree and to consider the star. And perhaps what we might discover is that the significance of Christmas isn't found in the space beneath the tree, but at the top of the tree where the star is. The star that invites us maybe to open our eyes and our hearts to a different kind of reality this Christmas, to a different kind of story, maybe even to a different kind of hope this Christmas. You see, the actual story, as we heard in that beautiful spoken word by Jonah Bateson, the actual Christmas story begins and ends with a star. The first star, the star that we read about in the book of Matthew in the Bible, the star that was there present in the sky in Bethlehem, the first star that points us actually pointed the wise men to where that baby, that baby lay, that baby was waiting, the birthplace of that baby born of Jesus. Matthew 2, 9, it says this, And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And I wonder if it is hard to imagine in Birmingham in 2023, it's hard to imagine how a baby being born 2,000 years ago, 2,000 miles away, has any significance or relevance whatsoever to our lives, let alone to some of the problems that we may face. And yet that is the claim of the actual Christmas story. 
It is the claim that sits right at the heart of the story that this baby born 2,000 miles away, 2,000 years ago in a grotty stable is one of the most significant events to ever take place in human history with profound and actually unmissable implications for every human being, including me and including you. Because right at the heart of the Christmas story, this little baby, this little baby that was supernaturally conceived in the womb of a, a teenage virgin, prophesied about for centuries before the baby's arrival, welcomed by choirs of angels, worshipped by shepherds and wise men, feared by the authorities and the religious leaders because the claim is that that little baby was and is God. That's the claim of the story. God come to earth in human form. God come to earth in the shape of a fragile baby, fully human and yet fully God. And here's the thing about the story. You know, the easiest thing, the easiest thing would be just to dismiss the story as a fairy tale. Some kind of implausible yet nostalgic piece of fiction that we just kind of dust off and vaguely remember and retell at Christmas time. But here's the thing, any credible historian, Christian or not, won't allow us to get away with categorizing the story in that way. That's because there's very, there's very little doubt that there was a baby, <clears throat> that there was a mother and a star and shepherds and wise men. And what the Bible makes clear is that that baby grew up to be a man. A, a man that delivered some of the most enduring moral teaching that this world has ever heard. A man that performed miracles. He turned water into the finest wine. He walked on water in the middle of a storm. He healed people with incurable diseases instantaneously on the spot. He set people free from domestic, demonic oppression. He raised people from the dead. He chose to invest his time with the nobodies and the outcasts. And then he was nailed to a cross to die. But three days later, he defied death and left the tomb behind him. And even if for a moment you consider that those events actually happened, what does it matter? Why would God come to earth like that to do that? What's it got to do with me? Well, the short answer to that question is that it has everything to do with you. It has everything to do with you. God came to earth as a baby that very first Christmas for you and for me. In the Gospel of John, in chapter 12, Jesus said this, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in the darkness. 
we are we are very much in the season of uh, school productions and nativity plays, right? Uh, and I I am a mum to five children, and so I have certainly attended my fair share of school productions, uh, nativities, and recitals. Uh, and I remember a recital that I went to that one of my children was performing in uh, several years ago. It was my daughter, Lois, and she was about seven or eight at the time. And she was due to perform uh, in this recital with a whole bunch of other kids from her year, year three, I think it was. Uh, and Lois hadn't been long learning the piano. Uh, and so she'd been practicing her piece, which was Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. She'd been practicing dutifully at home in the days uh, leading up to the recital. And so the day arrived, and I remember the school hall was packed full of other parents waiting to see their child perform. And I saw Lois sitting nervously at the side, uh, waiting for her turn. And then one by one, the other kids got up to perform their pieces. And what I realized uh, is that they were all playing pieces that were more like grade four or five or six. Uh, And there was my little girl ready to perform Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. Uh, And the other thing that I clocked is that as each child finished their piece, the audience of parents just responded with this polite little clap. And so Lois's turn got closer and closer. And we had just heard another performance from yet another seven-year-old musical prodigy. And I could feel this like maternal lioness beginning to rise within me. And so then Lois hops up looking really nervous. And every fiber of my being is like rooting for Lois. You know, I'm like bursting with protection and pride. And then she performs what can only be described as a show-stopping rendition of Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, let me tell you. And as she's playing those last few notes, I begin to sense this like inner dilemma. Because at that point, I just know that a polite little clap is not going to cut it for my daughter's rendition of Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. And so as she hits that last note on the piano and she turns to the audience and I catch her eye, I just can't help myself. I let out this, woo! And like every eye turns to look at me and I think to myself, This is quite possibly the last recital that my children will ever allow me to go to. I mentioned earlier that the Christmas story begins and ends with a star. The first star being the star of Bethlehem, the one that pointed to where Jesus was. And the second star we find literally on the last page of the Bible. The very last book of the Bible is called Revelation. And the very last thing that Jesus says about himself in the book of Revelation is this. He says, I am the bright morning star. And I can remember reading that line right at the end of the Bible and thinking, what what does that mean? Why does Jesus say that about himself? Why does he describe himself in that way? And then... I started to spot the actual bright morning star because it turns out that the bright morning star is the planet Venus. And you can see it in the early hours of the morning, even here in the city. And so now and then when I'm returning from walking our dog in the very 
early hours of the morning, sometimes I see the bright morning star. There's a couple of photos. This is my amazing photography. You can see it like a tiny dot, and then it will go in a little bit closer. There it is, and even closer. There it is. Sure enough, the bright morning star in the early hours of the morning makes its appearance. And then I read this about the bright morning star. This is theologian Daryl Johnson. The bright morning star, the morning star appears when the night has reached its greatest degree of darkness. Indeed, the morning star only appears when the night has reached its greatest degree of darkness. Although it is still dark, and although there may be three or four hours until daybreak, when you see the morning star, you know that night is over. And that is how Jesus describes himself as the bright morning star, this beacon, this symbol of light and hope that when the night feels at its darkest, at its coldest, when it feels like the night is gonna last forever, the morning star appears. Jesus promises to be present in those moments of life. You know, remember as a teenager, me and a couple of friends, we decided that we would be very brave and camp out in a field and stay awake all night. Bear in mind, it was the 90s. We didn't have iPhones and this is what we did for entertainment back then. And it seemed like such a good idea and it was really fun until it hit about the early hours of the morning and we were exhausted. It was pitch black. We were freezing cold, but we were too stubborn and too cool to return home. And it felt like the longest night ever. It felt like the dawn was never coming. And you know what? There was a period in my life that felt quite a bit like that. Like the warmth and the light that sunrise promises would never come. And it wasn't like something really terrible had happened in my life. A bit like the story that we heard earlier. In fact, on the outside, everything looked great. Everything looked okay. But now when I look back, I realize that on the inside, something was missing. I had lost hope. I had lost hope that there was more to life than just going to work, getting drunk at the weekends. There was hope, I'd lost hope that that there was more to life than just pursuing a romantic relationship that I thought would solve all my problems, that just trying to look successful. I'd lost hope that this emptiness that I felt inside, this weird kind of loneliness could ever be filled. Hope that my life might have a meaning or a purpose. I'd lost hope that there was something beyond these short years on earth. I'd lost hope that that there was a kind of love that I was searching for in all the wrong places. And here's the thing is I knew about Jesus. I knew about the baby born at Christmas time. I, I knew that the baby grew into a man and, and that he did these extraordinary things and that he claimed to be God, but I didn't know Jesus. I didn't know Jesus. In fact, for a time, I didn't think that Jesus would want to know me because there were certain aspects of my life that I had really screwed up. And I knew that there was 
stuff in my heart that wasn't good. And so I thought that I wasn't good enough. I thought that I wasn't religious enough for Jesus to want to know me. And as it turns out, I couldn't have been more wrong. And so when hope felt far away, when the night felt like it was at its coldest and as its darkest, I discovered Jesus as the bright morning star, as the hope, my bright morning star. And what I discovered is that whatever darkness I may face, that however dark the night may get in this life through my own stupid choices or just when life gets hard, there is always hope. And that hope is found in Jesus. In the book of Isaiah, right in the middle of the Bible, we come across these verses in chapter nine. It says this, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called my wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. And that is the hope that I found in Jesus, the hope of the wonderful counsellor, that I don't have to navigate my way through this life on my own, that I don't have to find all the answers for myself because I trust in a God who has the answers to any questions that I might have. And then mighty God, my hope was found in the mighty God, a God that holds the universe in his hands, that he was there right at the beginning and that he's gonna be there right at the end. The hope of the everlasting Father, that he's not this distant abstract figure, but he comes close like a good loving parent that his love is unconditional, that it's tangible, that it is everlasting. The hope of the Prince of Peace, that even when the storms of life feel like they are raging around me, I can have peace, a peace that just goes beyond my current circumstances. That is the hope of the bright morning star. That is the hope of Jesus. And that's the reason that God chose to come to earth as a baby that first Christmas. That's the reason that it is of the utmost significance to every human being, because if we are humble enough and broken enough to acknowledge it, we desperately need Him. We desperately need Jesus and the hope that He carries. You know, the whole time I was preparing this message, I just had the line of that carol going round and round in my head. And it's that line that says, the weary world rejoices. And it made me think that maybe there would be people in the room today who are weary. It's not like a physical tiredness from a lack of sleep, but like a heart weariness. Maybe you're weary from a relationship that's broken down and all the fallout that has come from it. Maybe you are weary from the relentless treadmill of life, from climbing a career ladder that you're not even sure that you want what is at the top of it. Maybe you're 
weary from wondering if you're gonna be able to pay the bills this month. Maybe you're weary from your own failings, from making mistakes over and over again. Maybe you are weary from this nagging loneliness that won't go away or this emptiness that refuses to be filled. And I wonder if that weariness is a lack of hope, a deep sustaining hope a hope that can only be found in the one true bright morning star in Jesus. I said at the beginning just how much we as a family love a real Christmas tree. And here's the thing, we bring the Christmas tree home, we put lots of pretty things on it to make it look good, and then it sits in our hallway for several weeks And then come the beginning of January, we take all the shiny stuff off the tree and what we're left with is just a dead tree. And maybe this Christmas, the invitation is to focus not underneath the tree, but at the top of the tree to the star. And allow the star to remind you of that first star, the Bethlehem star that invites us to find Jesus, trusting that he has already found you. And then consider the second star, the bright morning star, that even when the night is at its longest, even when life feels at its darkest, even when all the lights have come off the tree, there is still hope, a hope that lasts beyond the tree a hope that lasts beyond Christmas and his name is Jesus. We're just gonna take a few moments to be still. I'm gonna say a really simple prayer and it might be that you want to echo the words of this prayer in your own heart and then I'm gonna pray for you. Jesus, I ask that you would make the hope that you carry real to me this Christmas. I pray, Jesus, that I would know the love that you have for me in a real and tangible way this Christmas. Amen. And Lord, I just pray for every single person in this room for those that prayed that prayer, maybe for the very first time, I pray that the reality of your love and your hope and your peace would be present for every single person this Christmas. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, visit our website gastric.org or follow us on Instagram at Gastric Church.